Welcome to Jump Crouch. We have a guest today. Eric, welcome to the show. Hi. We, we found you on YouTube making cool videos. Do you want to talk a little bit about your channel? Uh, sure, yeah. I, I have a YouTube channel. Uh, name is I Am Error, reference to Legend of Zelda 2. Also, it's Legend a of Zelda. good book uh, by uh, Nathan Altis called I Am Error. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if the video's on. It's not on the podcast, obviously. It's on SoundCloud. But I showed the video. I showed it on video. Anyways, it's a good book. But uh, yeah, I, I, I do video essays about video games. How's everybody else doing this week? Pretty good, all things considered. I mean, it's yeah. incredible waking up every day and being like, uh, are we going to have a republic? Are we going to have a democracy? Is that just out the window? But it's fine, yeah. I guess. Yeah, it's, it's been one of those weeks. Uh, I, you know, Making history in the most embarrassing possible ways. Yeah. yeah. I, like, I want to like not be here. I want to like turn off the news and just go in a cave. I feel like I don't want to know anything about it because it's all bad, <laughs> stupid and bad. I just want to disappear into like Taiwan or Mexico yeah. again or some country that's not here. That's how I feel. Did you disappear into Taiwan before? No, no. I meant, I said Mexico again because I disappeared oh, yeah, into yeah. Mexico. But, you definitely did. But uh, Taiwan, I have not. So I'm thinking about Taiwan. I don't know. Just anywhere hmm. that's not the United States of America. That's how I feel. I don't know, man. It's pretty nice here in L.A. right now. We've got one in 10 people have COVID. It's, uh, <laughs> it's yeah. a good time to be here. Uh, anyway, uh, what are you guys playing lately? This is the third, first podcast of the year. Oh, it is. Oh, my gosh, it is. Yeah. Um, well, Kevin, what have you been playing? Because you were telling me about what you were playing, and I'm kind of curious about it. I've been playing games I've already talked about extensively. However, I have more thoughts about these games I've been playing extensively. I've been playing Odyssey, which I'm now hitting the 100-hour mark, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. A lot of Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, which is like the same game. Uh, about 40 to 50 hours <laughs> Basically, <that>. right? <laughs> Oren, you should not play Assassin's Creed because they're, they're definitely... I mean, they're not the same gameplay. The gameplay is... When I say gameplay, I mean the way you interact with the world is different. However what the goal of the game is and the scope is very similar. So I don't think you'll like Assassin's Creed if you didn't like Horizon. Just yeah, to, just probably, saying. Probably not, no. <laughs> but, okay, the more I play Odyssey, the, and, and, I, and, and this also links into Cyberpunk as well, when you're playing an, op, an RPG game and there's a gear progression system, what happens, I find, is as you level up, you become, in a sense, weaker unless you're constantly... <clears throat> maintaining your gear right mm -hmm. so like <coughs> yeah you have to level up your gear too mm -hmm. so and if you don't do that if there's enemies scaling on there's two ways you can tackle that problem you can have enemies don't scale and you just own them right if you go back to like an area that's lower level like it's level gap or you become weaker if you don't constantly upgrade so if like i guess my my thought is is does anyone enjoy constantly finding new gear upgrading it and then re-equipping it like every I don't know, 20 minutes or so. Like, is that something that we, that's, that's fun? Cause I find that it's not fun myself. It's not fun, I find but it's tedious. rewarding, you know, like it's like, a dopamine hit. It's like that Skinner box. You're always, what's my sure. next? What am I going to get next? But like, yeah. what's the, like, do we actually enjoy it? And should we continue with this design in games? Uh, I don't know. Not I, mean, we, not I, I have a lot to say about this and I definitely want to bring Eric in because, uh, Eric and his cyberpunk video touched on this a little bit, but, I remember I was playing Ghost of Tsushima earlier this year, 
And after the 10 hour, hour mark, I was I just found myself skipping through side quest cutscenes because I'm like, I just don't care. I don't care about any of this. I just want to end the game. And like, I'll get loot. And it's like, wow, this doesn't really contribute to my character at all because I'm already super powerful and I don't feel like it's actually contributing to the experience. And uh, I watched Eric's video on Cyberpunk, who we have here today, and he kind of touched on how a lot of these open world games, after you play so many of them, and if they don't do enough to distinguish themselves, they kind of blend together in a way, and that's where I'm at. Um, do you have anything to say about that, Eric? Uh, yeah. Um, more. I could speak more on the broad point, I suppose, about them blending together. I find that it's more... Uh, in my video, at least, I find more that it's the flaws of the games that blend together more than like their strengths. Sure. Like their strengths are varied, but their flaws tend to re remain pretty constant. As for the kind of, I think the exceedingly incremental like buffing of the gear is, I find it obnoxious and annoying. Mm. It's it's kind of lifted from MMOs, I think. Right? It is right. like World of Warcraft does it. EverQuest did it. You know, um, Destiny. And I think I think that like. It's kind of a, it's a very hollow form of progression, right? Because it's like yes, you're getting better, but like your character's not getting better because like you went on like a great quest and got like this amazing item that now defines your character. It's like no, your character's better because they killed a random bandit who happened to have a magnum that was better than better by one percent than the one that you already had, and that's not meaningful. And then and then it's annoying, right? Because then it's like well now I have to go in and switch it out because as you noted. Your old gear gets uh, antiquated pretty quickly as you level up. So it's like your gear is always becoming worse, and then you have to like scroll through this inventory, and you have to always constantly clean your inventory out mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like I just find this 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 gameplay system to be ex like it's kind of dated. It goes back to I mean I don't even know what the initial game was, but I know Diablo popularized that style. Mm -hmm. And it's funny too because like all of these settings are not always like Cyberpunk. It fits, but if you think about like in a fantasy world. How many great swords do they have? Like, do they have their industrial revolution in this in the Dark Ages? Like, how how do they constantly manufacture well, all of these insane armor sets? Like, you could have like the sword that's made out of like bronze or stone, and then the sword that's made out of like some kind of mythical steel. So, like, let's say you're level twenty, right? Yeah. And the game's max level is eighty, and you go and you kill some really powerful boss, and he drops a super fancy shiny sword that has like electricity on it, right? Yeah. And then in ten levels, you get a green weapon that's way better than that weapon. Someone apparently spent in the in-game world a lot of time crafting this amazing weapon. How come this green weapon? How much sharper is that weapon, Aaron? How much sharper is it? How much better does it? Cut? It's gamification. Doesn't make any sense. There's no logic. There's no logic to like but most of the like, things that you do. Why? Why, do we why, play does, why do you have to kill a hundred boars to it? get six boar entrails? Mm -hmm. But but they don't always drop entrails. So that means at least four of them out of ten don't have entrails. That's what I'm saying. That it. means they must be very constipated. <laughs> oh oh. I guess my uh, thought more broadly uh, on this topic is like I think especially in a real time game I think RPGification can really hurt the game design. Like I think that's it's like I, you have to really balance how much of an RPG I think you make your game. And I think really in terms of Odyssey I think it hurts it like in a lot of ways. Especially yeah, like with how I, spongy I, the enemies are. Like if you don't constantly mm -hmm. your weapon every level the enemies become total damage sponges. And you have to hit them yeah. again and again and again. And I'm just kind of like, God, this is like, ugh, I can't stand this this system. I wish they didn't opt for it. So, so I have one thing to say about this. I was playing Far Cry New Dawn. I played it for like 30 minutes. And you want to know what turned me off from that game? The huge damage numbers? 
on shot. Well, well, the moment I saw the enemy health bar above every enemy's head, so I'm like, I'm not playing mm-hmm. this. This sucks. I'm not. <laughs> oh, not there's doing health bars. This. Yeah, there's health that's, bars and new new dogs. That's like Wolfenstein, the new uh, not the new order, but the new generation or whatever. Uh, oh, that uh, Young Bloods. I'm like Young Bloods. Like, that one is not, like <laughs> has health bars over there. Right. It, it seems yeah. like a trend is to go for this RPGification of, of action. People love games. it. That's why they're doing it. Like, I, I I know, but like, do people love it because of the dopamine hit, or do they love it because like it's fun? You could ask that literally about anything. <laughs> like, you could say, do you love it because you're having a chemical reaction in your brain, or do you love it because it's fun? I mean, like that is, you could be like, why, why do I love, you know, beauty? Why, why do I find something beautiful? Is it because I'm having a chemical reaction in my brain? I feel like or is it cause there's it's some... a little hand wavy though. Like you're kind of giving well, me this huge general, like I, I think here, here's, you're hand waving right? fun. Well, if I'm playing, it's true. You're right. And, and this is just my perspective, of course. But like if I'm playing, you know, Doom 2016, right. And I shoot someone and then I get that glory kill. There's something very satisfying about that. Oops, excuse me. That mm-hmm. hit reaction and, and the way that all animates and plays out. Right. But that I is a dopamine loop, too. I mean, that's the same sure, thing. It it's is. just chemicals in However, your brain giving you a rewarding I feeling. I guess maybe it's just me. This is just my perspective. Like, I, I guess I don't find going to my inventory and doing inventory management and, like, equipping new weapons to be fun. Totally, maybe totally. Maybe that's, that's, that's my point. Yeah. But a lot of people love it. And, okay, let's talk about this because Kevin and I have been playing World of Warcraft, right? And like, uh, if we play, which is, which, yeah, it's embarrassing. I get it. There, uh, there's but, a history like, with that game too that we, we already have previously. <laughs> Trust me. No, no, no. We, we are not fans of it. We played it back in the yeah, day. And, and we're, we're kind of hate fucking it, if you know what I mean. But um, like, uh, we're playing it because I, I haven't played. Fucking it. Oh my God. I, not really. Okay. But you know, like playing it, like ironically, I haven't played World of Warcraft in like more than 10 years. So it's interesting to see. But like, why was it that MMOs were such a big deal, like in the aughts? And that they're not now. It's because like every feature that they offered has been like stolen by every other you know open world games. Basically, Assassin's Creed Odyssey is like a single player MMO. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean I haven't played it. I don't think I'm going to play it. I don't know, uh, Eric. What do you think is a game that does the RPG mechanics well in a, in a game that otherwise might not have it? Um, do any come to mind? Oh, that's a good question. Um, okay. Well, I mean, okay. So I've the first thing that comes to my mind is like Divinity: Original Sin, uh, two, because like that game is just like, but that's an RPG game. Like, it's not like mm-hmm. a action game that's like jamming in some uh, RPG elements. I'm like kind of, I'm like looking through my uh, uh, my Steam library right now to kind of try <laughs> to answer that question. Um, I can pose one for you. I, I have one actually. That's pretty weird, but I think it's very true, uh, which is MOBA games like Dota. Uh, mm. They have a ton of RPG elements, right? Because like you're always building items, your character's leveling up, and you're picking new abilities as you're playing the game. And like that's a core component of that game, but it's not. It's not the main draw, right? The main draw is like the interaction with the other players and like the the strategies and the things that you're doing with the resources that you have. But you can't deny that like there's a very thick layer of RPG laid on top of everything that like informs it. And I think it makes those games deeper and more interesting. Hmm. I think something true to that point too is if you think of like the strength of a roguelike is that you're progressing within a small window of time. And when that time was over, you start again from scratch, right? Like you and- like when you're playing you know, what's the Castlevania roguelike? Uh, I can't think of the name. Dead Cells? Stained. Right? Like you're but that's a roguelike. You actually do get progression that, that's, that's you permanent. You do, but you also get much more meaningful progression in the run. Like you get more powerful whatever, right? You get weapons sure. that are powerful. You get skills and all that kind of stuff. And in a similar you, way. You have a build, yeah. 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 
I think to your point on like the weapons, like I want to kind of draw because like I'm a dungeon master, and I guess well, that's D and D dungeon master. Uh, <laughs> um, and so like I kind of like when you're talking about that, kind of made me draw on an experience I have playing Dungeons and Dragons, and also on the inverse of playing Cyberpunk. So like um, in Dungeons and Dragons, like each magic item that I give my players or like that I put in their way to find is like incredibly meaningful because like a it might increase their stats but also it's like it's a new toy to play with right it's like a new a new way to solve problems right and as opposed to like this kind of incremental increase you're describing where like everything just it doesn't matter that I got this new thing or the only reason it matters is because the game's getting harder and inverse I'm thinking of cyberpunk where there's like this quest line that I did where there's like this character who's like, and this is my awesome sniper rifle that I've been using throughout this whole thing. I want to give it to you. It's like really sentimental token, right? It should be like the best sniper rifle in the game. And when I got it, it's like, you can't use this until you're like 10 levels higher than you are right now. <laughs> and I looked and by the time I got there, it's like even the most common sniper rifle was better than it. Right. And so I mm, think that there is right. like a mismatch, right? Where like, the meaning of the game is like, well, I did this story thing. I got this item that's supposed to be meaningful and powerful that I want to use. But then the, the gameplay doesn't reward you in that function, right? Um, and so, and it's because there's no dungeon master right there to balance the game on the fly. The, the, game, the game developer has to kind of like design the game way ahead of time and then try to, you know, m like mix and match and balance everything before you even get the game, which I think leads to some of these problems. Yeah. Uh, Eric, yeah, have you think... played uh, Disco Elysium by any chance? I have. have that it's been a while. Uh, that but yeah. That game, it gave me D&D &D vibes, especially with all of the dice rolls and how mm -hmm. that dictates where the story goes. But anyways, uh, Kevin, what were you going to say? Um, I was thinking about how, like, when I was joking about the Industrial Revolution in, in, in medieval games, that, like, there's no... Weapons are so... They're, such, they're so... You know, very transient. You're always upgrading to the next thing. You're always pushing forward, right? Um, and it, and, it, and it's kind of this, the point that you that you're making, Eric, about like the sniper rifle that you got, or what I was trying to trying to, trying to illustrate too is like you kill some boss and he drops a weapon that's supposed to be really well crafted, and then you kind of don't really use it for that long because it doesn't actually make a big difference. Um, is in Horizon Zero Dawn, I feel like they did solve this problem because you'll get a weapon that's nice or whatever, and you'll use it a lot, but then you'll get mods instead to make it more powerful. But they they're they're not like I guess there's there's not a gear progression in the same sense. Like you're not always upgrading. You're just kind of flatly sticking, and things just get incrementally more powerful through these mods. But it's not. It feels to to me. I feel like that was a good kind of resolution to this problem because it felt like still meaningful to get more powerful mods, make my weapons better. But I wasn't constantly switching switching them out and dealing with it. It was like something that you deal with every like couple hours instead of mm -hmm. constantly. Like Cyberpunk, I'm always over encumbered because I have to constantly disassemble all of these garbage items that I'm always you know attaining for every battle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I was just gonna say, uh, uh, shoot, what was it? Oh yeah, I, a game that solved this problem to much everyone's hatred, I guess, was Breath of the Wild, right? Because you get, like, way more power. Like, the, the items you get are way out of whack and balance, right? Some items yeah. are amazing. Some items are a stick, right? But they break. So <laughs> then you can't you can't really rely on the fact that you got, like, a, a new item. Right. It's funny. They solved that problem, but then everyone hated it. <laughs> yeah, it's That's true. You're right. That, I, I didn't even think about that. It's just because they break all the time they break up for like five hits i guess is, is why everyone hated it but i do agree that they did they did fix that problem it's yeah i mean sorry to bring it up but the souls games kind of have a pretty good 
way of doing it is that you get a weapon oh, yeah. that has functionally different and is significantly more powerful that it's interesting to use, but it's not like you're getting a new weapon every five minutes. You get like, you know, it's that, five it's big this, upgrades over the course of the game. So I always try to avoid Souls because I feel like to me, Souls perfected all, every problem I have with any action RPG. Everything? Like, Souls is perfect? <laughs> it's perfect? It's game. Souls, but like... It, you know, there's so much hyperbole around that franchise in terms uh-huh. of like games media. So I just right. try not to ever take a direct, reference yeah. it. Sure. But because because for some reason, you know, the memes have decided that we can't talk about that game. <laughs> but yeah. um, I was just going to say, think, yeah, no, yeah. go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I totally cut you off. Go ahead. <laughs> I do think that like it's it's a similar thing too. like I don't I want to like beat this point too hard, but like enemy levels are the same similar problem like like you you'll be fighting an enemy that's your level and then suddenly there'll be like an enemy who's like four levels higher and you just can't fight them because they're higher level than you and you, you know you can't get interact with them because of that and souls didn't have that really like it, everything there's no enemies where they were not levels, I don't know man those skeletons right? are pretty fucking hard yeah the beginning of the game. I spent yeah. like two hours trying to go towards the skeletons when I first played the game, I'm like this game was like I knew it was hard but I didn't know it was this hard and then I realized I was right. going the wrong way <laughs> yeah but like you'll never yeah, come I across mean, like an I enemy mean, who's like board, five levels like, higher. Yeah, sorry. Uh, Go for it, Arn. No, sorry. I think we all talked at the same time. Go yeah, uh, yeah, I didn't hear what you said, but <laughs> Go for it. Yeah. Well, part of the problem is like designing, like like Eric was saying, like designing experience that's going to hit the player when the player's hitting it, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's it's just. It's hard to make a game that's gonna that's gonna pace itself perfectly for how you're progressing through the the different challenges, and like meeting your power level at its power level. Yeah, especially games are in hard, a non-linear man. game, right? Like, in a linear game, you can do that pretty easily, right? Like Doom or something like. Well, you're not gonna get the rocket launcher until halfway through the game, so we don't have to worry about it until then. But in an open world game, you can't be assured what the player has at any given moment. Yeah, so you get like yeah. level gating in certain zones and stuff. Yeah, this is kind of yeah. That I I was just gonna bring it back to Ghost of Tsushima. Like uh, the reason why I bring this game up so much is because it's in so many Game of the Year discussions, and you know it's a really good game. But man, I was so overpowered even by the second area of that game, and it just lasted throughout the whole game. And I I think the reason why Bloodborne works and Dark Souls works so well is because the games are just that challenging that you're kind of forced to do it. I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, but Ghost of Tsushima just it was too easy even on the hardest difficulty it was way too easy hmm that is a bummer I've been playing cyberpunk on the hardest difficulty because it was too easy up until I did that and then but then there's these ridiculous boss fight spikes where it's just like oh I have to turn it down to easy to, to beat the boss because I'm like right. too weak to fight them right I had that the right way too yeah yeah I was playing the Witcher 3 on blood and broken bones and uh uh, it was pretty challenge, which is the second hardest difficulty. Mm. The hardest difficulty is like way too hard. So I played through that and I did all of the DLC before I fought Aridin, the final boss. And he was, I think I killed him in three hits. He was dead. It was mm. hilarious. It's I like, think okay. that is actually a great example of what Eric, you said in your video about how the side missions and the main narrative do not, or just the open world in general, don't always mesh. And like right. I've had that too, where like you'll do the side missions and become so overpowered that like the the existential threat to that in-game universe. By the time you fight it, you kill it in like two hits. It's like it's, how is this threatening? I've, <laughs> you know, it's mm-hmm. it's a funny thing with the games. Yeah, 
Yeah, and also, and also too, it's just uh, as Eric pointed out in his videos. I'm just getting so frustrated with open world games that try to do seven or eight different things at once and kind of have this jack of all trades quality. Like the shooting is like kind of good, but not really. The role playing is kind of good, but not really. The and uh, they're trying to do all of these different things, and I, I'm just getting. I'm, I'm. I'm. I sound kind of exhausted because I am. I'm just kind of tired of it. Warren, <laughs> do you have open world fatigue? I. Yes. I heard you can get treated for that. There's. There's. There's some treatments now. <laughs> there's like a vaccine for open world fatigue. I need to talk to it's my. It's called doctor Breath of the Wild. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. It's a good game. Uh, shit. What about roguelikes? You guys playing any roguelikes lately? Uh, I mean, I was playing Hades. It was so good. <laughs> yeah, I've been playing Hades this week in preparation for my next video, which is on Hades. It'll be out next week. But uh, I've been playing that. And then my wife and I, my wife really likes Bonnie Isaac. So we play that in bed mm. before she falls asleep every night. Like we'll play a round of Binding of Isaac. So yeah, I'm playing some. I, I tried to pick up Darkest Dungeon again like two weeks ago. And I just, mm. I wasn't into it. I used to be into it, but I guess mm-hmm. I've fallen off that way again. It, it's yeah. too hard for me. It's too it's too arbitrary and too hard for me. I like the atmosphere that it's going for, but every time I play it, I'm I'm just like I'm just not in control. And I know that's what they're trying to say with that game, but I don't know. After a while, it takes some investment. That game you got to really put the time in. I think, and it's not something you can like go back to. I, I had the same problem. I had to go back. I'm like oh, I love this 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 just this narr- narrator especially and the, the vibe, but it is it's. It requires you to like learn the classes and the enemies and the styles. You got to really know what you're doing. Mm. Yeah. So what have you been playing, Aaron, uh, with the roguelikes? Have you been doing Spelunky 2 or anything? So I play a few rounds of Spelunky 2 every once in a while. And like every time I do it, it's the same fucking thing. I'm like, oh, yeah, I love this game. <laughs> and then like 20 minutes later, I'm like, fuck this game. This game's too goddamn hard for me. <laughs> like, I, I, I like realize that I just don't have the time in my life to get good at Spelunky 2. And I know that if I did, it would be very fulfilling and awesome. I could also just watch some streamers or some like guides, but I like really don't want to take knowledge from the community. I want it to be all organic. So it's just like banging my head against a wall. Um, but I love uh, it when, uh, I'm, when I'm having a good time. Uh, honestly, Spelunky 2 is the kind of game where unless you're playing like up to 400, 500 hours, there are just some mysteries in that game that are just so hard to figure out. And when I talk to people about them, I'm like, what? You have to do this to do that, to do this, to do that, to do this. And then that turns into that. It's like, what? <laughs> I can't do that. I don't have There's the time. There's a, a lot of rules to memorize. And it's like a working memory test to be like keeping all the rules in mind at the same time. You have to really just internalize everything. And I... I don't know, man. I don't know if I'm good enough to do it right now. I don't know if I, I, I want to. I want to be good at Spelunky too, but I'm I, not. I like that that game has the, all those weird mysteries. Like I, I, I think back to like the days of mm-hmm. Mortal Kombat in the arcade, and people would always have all these like mysterious, like ooh, there's secret characters that you have to do weird things to unlock them. There was like this mythology around the game that people would talk about. Oh yeah, and it was it really. I mean, it was pre-internet, really, but. I just I like the idea that games have these deep secrets. Like someone just recently found a secret in Near Automata that requires you to yeah, like stand in one I place and input a like that is so straight out of like the '90s or even '80s input gameplay design. I, I thought it was pretty cool. They had they had that. Yeah, it's it's pretty neat. I think uh, 
there there are just some secrets that are so hard to discover on your own and you kind of need some sort of community guidance um yeah spelunky 2 i think for example the eggplant run of spelunky 2 wasn't discovered until like three or four years after that game came out i mean the first spelunky, spelunky one. So. Oh, yeah yeah okay yeah that's what i meant to say spelunky one so yeah i don't know I mean, when it comes time, especially for like a sequel, right? Like a game developer is no longer just making a game that's meant to be experienced by a single fan in a room with a television and a controller, right? They're making a game that's meant to be experienced by a pre-existing community. It reminds me mm-hmm. of kind of the ARGs that were surrounding Portal 2 in particular, mm-hmm. right? Like Portal 2 yeah. had like this whole buildup from, because they knew that they had an inbuilt community that cared about the franchise and they, they could kind of play with. And I think that that's very rewarding for some people but it's not really what's rewarding for me like i i you know i island hop between like hundreds of different games right like i don't i don't have time to do an arg for portal or figure out every spelunky 2 secret um Mm -hmm. unfortunately there's an item in bloodborne that it's called like the ring of yarnum and we still don't know what that item does, and I bet you four or five years from now somebody's going to figure out what that item's for. Or is it one of those items that just does nothing? There's an item in Dark Souls, I think, that does Dark nothing. Dark Souls, they, yeah. Which, uh-oh, take yeah. a drink, guys. We did it again. Um, Oren, this is your fault. You brought it up. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I've been playing a lot of, uh, a lot of CSGO still, which is, is, is a game. where it's a where, good game. Incremental upgrades in skins that don't do anything for uh, I care too much about. Uh, yeah, but that game is more like, about. We're, that's not ta- we're not talking about CS:GO. We've talked about CS:GO. Oh, you want to talk about Valorant times. instead? Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine, fine. Valorant is it still good? I see you playing it on Discord a lot. Uh, you know. It's good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a good game. Uh, it has a um, really obtrusive anti-cheat, and um, I don't love. I don't love that. It, like I said, the power creep is just gonna keep going because they keep introducing characters. They just announced a character today that I haven't actually looked into. But every time they announce a character and I go play it, I'm like, what the fuck is all this stuff? Whereas I don't have that problem in CS:GO. I'm like, I know what all this stuff is. <laughs> there you is that, go. It's yeah. the Rainbow Six Siege problem. You go back after not playing it for two months and it's like i don't know half these characters what do they do mm-hmm. right i mean it'll be one character at a time i don't know like the reason i'm playing so much mm-hmm. lately is like is is i've been like stupidly chasing this dopamine loop of getting these these stupid skins because i bought a season pass right so you buy the season pass for like nine bucks and they're like okay there's 10 levels and each level you'll get some skins some sprays and some other bullshit and you just you just do, you get the points to do it and you unlock it slowly over time. And the idea is that you play throughout the course of the season and you get all this stuff. Um, and of course I wasn't playing over the course of the season and like Valorant's season passes are just absurd. So I was like trying to get this last one because I want this dumb knife. And um, it's the final upgrade of it. So you have to get all 10 levels to get the knife. And I'm like, why am I doing this? I'm not even having fun playing this game anymore, but I kept doing it just to like, I'm like, I really want to get the knife and I'm trying to do my dailies. And I'm like, I'm playing this game wrong, so I stopped. Mm-hmm. That's today. I actually uninstalled Hearthstone after mm. I like. <laughs> it's actually pretty funny. This is like the timing of it, but uh, I have completed my daily quest in Hearthstone for like four years straight. Like <laughs> I, I lived overseas for a while. I came back, and that's when I restarted playing Hearthstone. It's so, like around when, and I today I was like, I don't like. I've been like in zombie mode for like three months in that game. Like I just. 
I don't actually want to play. I just log in, do my... And then they recently like, revamped the way the daily quests do, so there's like, more time in my week. And I was like, that's it. Like, I don't care enough. Like, <laughs> And that's that's the tricky thing. Uh, and it goes back to the weapons things as well. It's like, when you're not having fun doing something, and it's like, but... Like there's like then there's that part of your mind that's like the delayed gratification. Well, I'm not having fun now, but I'll maybe I'll have fun yeah. later if I do this now. And a lot of times it's better just to say, no, I'm just not having fun now. I should stop. Right. <laughs> uh, I had that moment recently. I was playing through the Halo Halo Three campaign and I was really enjoying it, but then I hit the Cortana level and I was like, <laughs> this is the worst thing ever. Why did they do this to this otherwise stellar campaign? It's just terrible. So we played it recently, and, and Halo 3 was actually, to my recollection, or better than, than I recollected it, but in that level was bad, but for some reason I remember that level being like the most painful thing I ever experienced, and it was, it was just really bad when I replayed yeah. it, but I feel uh, for me, For me, I was like, this is just, I can't. It ruined eight years of your life like Cyberpunk did for some, some people. <laughs> bad. Cyberpunk <laughs> has stolen 12 years of my life. Yeah. <laughs> You know, that level is bad, though. It's very confusing, and the grave mine is constantly yelling at you, which stops you from moving. Yeah. So, like, it's confusing, and you have to keep stopping. And you can't walk because he blocks the screen. It's like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just well, they were rushed. Yeah, and also, like, uh, the Ark and the Covenant levels are so good, and then they mm-hmm. follow it up with that level. It's like, really? That's the, that's the level you're going to follow up with? When they were designing Halo 2 in some interviews, they were like, we were, we know the library, and this is a Halo 1 level where you just fight Flood, and it's super repetitive and, and confusing. They were like, we know the library was a bad level, so we're going to really avoid doing that again in the future. And then, like, Halo 3, they did Cortana, which is pretty much the same idea. It's like a confusing level yeah. where you fight the Flood. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure. It's weird. Um, Eric, where were you living overseas? Uh, I'm, I'm curious. Uh, I lived in uh, China. <clears throat> For, uh, oh, where were you? Were in China? Yeah. Oh, nice. Uh, I like I like asking about that because I used to be an expat too. I was in Mexico and El Salvador for multiple years, so that's really cool. Yeah. How was your uh, reverse culture shock? <sighs> Wasn't too bad. Um, I'm pretty uh, adaptable as a person, so you know, I I don't I I didn't struggle with that as much as like my wife, uh, you know. Our, we had some friends, uh, or we made over friends we made over there, and then who moved back at the same time we did, um, and they also they started with it worse than me, and so wasn't too bad. Yeah, when I when I came back, my reverse culture shock was not like super bad, but I I was just looking around and and I was like, why does everyone care so much about their jobs here? I just don't I don't mm. get it. It's so mm. weird. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. That is like the first thing you, when you meet someone here, you ask them like, oh, what do you do? Right. 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 It puts like a value for some reason. It's the classic Marxist alienation. We're all alienated <laughs> man from man. Uh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> the, yeah. I, I don't know. It's it's interesting. I have not lived abroad. Did you te- teach English in China? Or? I, I know. I was learning Chinese. Cool. Cool. Uh, so... Not That's something awesome. I'd have not used at all in my actual life, uh, but no, yeah. Hmm. That could change. That could change. It depends. We live uh, on one half of the world. It's all about English. The other half of the world. It's all about Chinese. So it's you'll true. probably use it. 
So. Well, also, maybe in like 20 years, there's going to be some great games coming out of China that maybe you could play in the original language and benefit from that. I kind of, I mean, I'll just say that contemporary Chinese culture, I don't think, has the uh, the gumption to make great video games right now, unfortunately. Uh, mm. the, the industry is very much a copycat industry right now. I mean, in 20 years, yeah, maybe right. things could change a yeah. lot. Um, but you're not going to make a great game. That's or at least a game worth playing if all you're doing is copying what, what's already successful. Mm. And then making. Do they have a Counter Strike clone that they play? That I, I remember reading about it. Oh, yeah. is it like Crossfire? Is that? Yeah, I think one? it's Crossfire. Oh. Then it uh, looks like 1.6, right? Like it's old school looking. It can run um, on any computer, basically. Yeah, I would presume it could run on any computer. Um, so. I, I, something I, I watched your video, Eric, about uh, speedrunning, and it's something I've always been like scared to do, like because it's it seems like it seems like an intense amount of commitment to become a speedrunner for a specific game. Um, how did you get into it? Um, well, so for the university, uh, I, I'm I think I'm I don't think I've said this in, in, during the podcast. I am a PhD candidate at UW Milwaukee University, Wisconsin Milwaukee. Uh, and I study media studies and digital games and stuff like that. And so part of what I do for the university is uh, there's like there's this collab called Serious Play, and we stream video games. And I I host a show called uh, The Arena, which is about competitive games like Counter Strike or Hearthstone or whatever. And um, one like last January, we decided to do like a thematic month of January, which was uh, speed running. So and I was the champion or whatever you want to call it. So I learned to speed run Celeste for that. Um, which I found to just be really rewarding. Like I just play through all of Celeste once a day for like a month. That was basically mm-hmm. what I did. Um, and so I did that and I was like, this is pretty fun. Like it's, it's very, you know, it's very Zen. Like it's like, uh, which is kind of funny. Cause like, I think we think of speedrun, we think of like this, like friend you know, frantic, like running as fast as we can to a goal. Like we look at, you know, like, but actually what ends up happening is, is, you end up just playing the game a lot. And so you get very, it becomes like a comforting thing, right? Like you're mm-hmm. so used to like all of the different twists and turns that they just become familiar. And so uh, I find it pretty comforting. So I've speed run uh, Celeste. Uh, I've speed run Portal, which is what my video was about. Um, and I Minesweeper, um, which isn't particularly interesting. Um, as I mean, I like playing it, but again, that's just like a, uh, it's not a game that's particularly interesting to talk about. And then right now I'm right now we're reprising last January's speedrunning month and we're doing it this month. So I'm doing uh super Mario 64. Um, and that game's really, that's nice. brutal. It's really hard. Uh, oh, yeah. but, um, to, to speed run it at is. least not very hard to just beat. Um, mm. <laughs> but, uh, the game is such is dyna- all- a dynamic movement system that, uh, like the tips, the tricks you can like pull off are really just amazing, but also amazingly frustrating to like learn and to figure out. Do you find it, that's interesting? Just because I, I I watch people play these games at high levels, and I find it to be very like engaging. How they they I don't know. After I guess after you played something hundreds of times, you can find just ways to cut off seconds or even split seconds, and that will put that'll change the entire dichotomy of like how people speed run that game, right? Um, mm-hmm. do, do you think in terms of like mechanical difficulty, what do you find more challenging for Mario 64 or Celeste? Cause I know Celeste is a pretty hardcore platformer as well. 
Um, I would say that in general, I find Celeste to be easier because there's less dimensions that you're working with. I mean, like the 2D versus 3D right. thing. Um, and so with Celeste, A, there's not... I mean, there's not really a lot of random stuff in Mario, but what I'll say is that the in Celeste, down is down, left is left, right is right, and up is up. In Mario, that's not the case because the camera is crazy. Yeah. Mm, like, yeah. and the thing is, is the camera like up is forward only when like the camera the tells you that that's forward, right? <laughs> like, like up changes depending on where the camera is, um, and so sometimes like you can pull off a trick once, and then it's like. A lot of tricks, you're like, I have to set up the camera first so that it's in the right spot. And so that can make it a little trickier. Um, And it's also just, it's a a less straightforward speedrun. So, like, with Celeste, it was kind of like I started speedrunning it, and I would just, like, kind of run the game casually almost. And then I I eventually got to the point where I was, like, picking up new strategies. But with Super Mario, it's like I kind of have to, because, like, I have to select what 70 stars I want to get... Right, I have to kind of have like such a plan, right? It's mm-hmm. kind of like the linear versus open world thing again. Right. Um, but because I have to have a plan, it's like I have to. It's like a little less casual. So like I've been, I haven't really been like just running the game like for fun. I've been like when I spend time with it, it's like okay, I'm gonna learn wet dry world now. Like what do I do in wet dry world when I get there? What are the stars I'm gonna get? Like that kind of thing. Hmm. Interesting. Mario 64 is is a is a great game. It's one of my you know platforming childhood games but i went back and played it on switch again and it's definitely i it's been, been a while since i played it's definitely like they've done a lot of polish since between that odyssey and that game there's there's some especially with the camera mm-hmm. that was the thing i found oh, yeah. that i was funny with the most are you playing on original hardware for uh 64 are you emulating nah, it? I just emulate it okay because yeah. okay just because i because the original controller that analog stick and it's dead zones i imagine fun fumbling with in terms of trying to get speed could be a little tricky and compared to modern mm-hmm. controllers too the one nice thing about it is it has the notches. Um, mm. I don't know why more game developers don't put freaking notches in their controllers. Like, I, I have a lot of controllers, but like the GameCube controller has notches. Does, notches yeah. are awesome. Like, I want notches. What do you mean notches? Controllers. He means the, so, like, the, the dead zone notches on the. Yeah, sorry. Continue. So like on your like PS4 controller, right? I got this here. Like, there's no notches. It's just a circle. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so. And so what that means is, like, if you want to go up left, like, let's say, especially if you're playing, like, a game like Street Fighter, mm-hmm. where, like, up left is, like, a lot different than up, right, right? right? Like, up is, like, I didn't get a combo off. I didn't get to hit you, right? Up left is, like, yes, I did. And so notches allow you to very quickly, like, flick in that direction and then hit the groove, like, where that direction should be. I see. And I, I, I'm kind of shocked that every single, like, in what game out there doesn't, like, would notches be bad? Like, you know, like, I don't know. I guess maybe first person shooters yeah, is the right. And I feel like that's what but, those controllers are designed for. When I play like Tekken, I always use a D-pad for that exact reason. Yeah, I prefer yeah. the I prefer the D-pad for sure, but I'm just more talking just in general. Like mm-hmm. I think notches are useful hmm. a lot of the time. I could see especially there, for 64. Yeah, for those for those inputs it requires. What do you use to play uh what controller do you use when you're doing a Mario 64 speedrun? I use an Xbox 360 controller. I'm like, I'm like doing my like controller show. I have like every controller. I have me too. Like within arm's reach, I've got the Steam, GameCube, Xbox 360, or Xbox One, and a PS4 controller. <laughs> I'm pretty picky about. Oh, and I have a flight stick. So. Oh, I want a flight stick so bad. Uh, what's what is your favorite controller to use for like general gaming? 
Oh, the GameCube controller is the best controller ever made, dude. The GameCube? That huge A button. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that huge right. A button. Okay. And it's, it's got the notches, too. Yeah. And I like the L and R. The L and R are nice, too. Hmm. Uh, I don't love the Z, and I don't love the, the C-Stick. It could be improved. But I, the button layout is so much better than like the like the diamond layout that most controllers have the diamond layout it's like you can always reliably hit three of the four but you can never really reliably hit four of the four buttons mm. right but at the gamecube controller everything is like you roll your finger to the right to hit x a and y are right there and then you roll your finger to the left to hit b so everything is really accessible uh, i like that I think the deal the the deal breaker for me with that controller is the uh, is the C stick. It's just Mm -hmm. a little strange for me, but I do like it. I think for me, I'm a Sony fanboy, but I secretly like the Xbox controller better. It's a better controller, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I was just talking with a coworker like in depth about the layout of the, the the PlayStation thumbs down layout versus the Xbox thumb offset, and how like if you were to put the SNES face buttons on the GameCube controller, you'd basically have an Xbox controller, right? Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. And how people are often... I've, ha- I've heard people express, like, oh, Xbox... Or when they talk about the Switch uh, Pro Controller, like, oh, they, re- they just ripped off the Xbox face buttons and they, and they reversed them. And it's like, actually, they didn't. I think Microsoft ripped off Nintendo's SNES face buttons and just reversed those. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess... <laughs> To, on the controller thing, I'll just note my favorite controller is mouse and keyboard. Yeah, yeah, no, without <laughs> mouse question. Mouse and keyboard without is question. really good, for sure. Uh, yeah, as long as you're not driving, right? Yeah, driving, yeah, driving doesn't work too well. No, driving, well. driving or fighting games. It's I guess also third person action games. I don't, I do not like with mouse and keyboard. But playing a first person shooter for me with a controller is like pulling teeth. You think there's any actual use for the analog triggers, like even for driving? Does it actually? Are you ever not flooring it in any racing game? Oh, are you kidding me? If you play <laughs> at a high end, if you're not supposed to be flooring it the whole time. Here's my question: What are you playing Cyberpunk on? Xbox. Uh, I switch. Q. So you don't know, but driving that game is terrible on mouse and keyboard because it's only oh, yeah. at max speed or like because I play it on keyboard. Right. And, you know, when I played like Red Dead Redemption 2, I had to literally have a controller set aside. I would pick it up and then I would want to do, to do any horseback stuff. Right. That is how I play Cyberpunk. At that point, right. It's just accelerate or not. But like Mario Kart, you press A to accelerate. Works in Mario Kart. Why doesn't Cyberpunk have Mario Kart driving? That's what they should have done. Yeah. That would have been awesome. But I think open world driving and Mario Kart driving are different. And Mario Kart, there's oh, never a reason not to go as fast as you can, mm. right? Unless like, you're doing 200 cc. <laughs> you know, but then but then you're like you're breaking to turn, right? Like like it, the game is designed with those kind of accelerating yeah. and things in mind. And Cyberpunk, it's just like, oh crap! I didn't see this car right in front of me. Like I need to not be going as fast as I possibly can be like because traffic is not moving at the same pace as you are right but you yeah. can kind of get in between traffic pretty pretty good if you especially if you're mm-hmm. playing with control you yeah. can like you can sort of you know go down the middle like a motorcycle although i ride a motorcycle mostly mm-hmm. in that game because motorcycles are just like way better than cars i think mm-hmm. i just yeah. don't drive in that game that's true double <laughs> jumping around is is actually the best form i play of, it like of, it's uh, like it's crackdown or something yeah <laughs> yeah yeah this is the Crackdown 3 you secretly wanted, Kevin. This is mm-hmm. the one, Cyberpunk. Crackdown 3 was Cyberpunk mm. setting as well. So It also yeah. sucks. Crackdown Does 3 it? is just... You know, yeah, I don't think like, it was bad. I, I liked Crackdown 3. I like it was underrated. I, I, 
I played it for like two hours on Game Pass, and I was like, it's fine, but this isn't this isn't a next gen game. This is like Xbox. No, era. it's it's totally a seventh gen game. That's true. It totally is. It's a, it's it, it's a three sixty game. There's no question. But it's, that's kind of what I like about it. Game. I mean, it's Gears Five is a three sixty game as well. But that's like the strength of it, right? Sure. To me. I feel sure. like it actually feels a lot more polished than a 360 game, especially after going back and playing Gears 1. I was like, oh, this game feels different. It does. But in terms of, like, gameplay and scope and design, it's definitely still. I mean, it's polished, but, like, it's it's the same goals and, and you're doing the same things. You know, hmm. it's very similar to a 360 game in that regard. Right. Yeah. All right. Uh, you guys excited about Hitman? Hitman's coming out in like two weeks. I'm fucking pumped, man. Yeah, that's like that's like my most anticipated game of the year, and it's coming out in two weeks. I just don't. Yeah, after that, there will just be nothing. Yeah. yeah, seriously. And and I'm already reading first impressions, and everyone's saying it's like the best one yet. And I'm like, oh well, that's game of the year. There we go, game of the year. <laughs> so. Did you did you read that it basically optimizes the first two games? Like it's much smaller. Like you can have it installed. the install it's smaller yeah. Hitman. Yeah, that's cool. I think that's exciting. No, that's good because Hitman is a 100 gigabyte game. Um, And it's like, I always want to have it installed. I mean, I have a lot of storage in my PC, but on my PS4, I don't have as much. And I want to have it. I want to have it there so I can play it whenever I want. Especially Sapienza. You got to play Sapienza. I love that they capitalize on their previous games. Like, they iterate them in so you can have three games. Like, imagine if Assassin's Creed, the next one, you could be like, oh, I can go to Egypt. I can go to uh, Greece. I can imagine that would be so awesome. Like, they have all these worlds I feel like they should. Re, I don't know yeah. how to use people. People yeah. for that. But the I next would Elder like Scrolls game, you can go to Skyrim. I mean, it would be yeah, rad. I guess you can do that in, the, in their MMO, right? Imagine in GTA, the next one, you can go to Vice City, you can go to Liberty City, you can go to Vice City again, you know? Vice City. <laughs> no, what do <laughs> they call the Nevada, the Las Vegas? Oh, San Andreas. That's what it is. Yeah, but well, no. Vegas soup, what? Las Ventura, I think they called it. All right. Yeah, what would be super cool is you're playing all the grand, you're playing the Grand Theft Auto game, and you can just change the uh, radios to the Vice City radios, just just cause why not? You're playing uh, Grand Theft Auto Five with the Vice City radio stations. That'd be pretty cool. Can't you just loop Spotify into those games, or am I wrong about that? Yeah, but you need the DJs, the DJs from oh, the old games. They're that's fun. Hmm. You could probably like listen to a YouTube channel. <laughs> Right. Yeah, I, I guess you could. You could hack know. this. You could make this work, Oren. Like you could have this. You could have this now. GTA Five. Yeah, I put in the. I, uh, I want. I want. I want the game developers to do it. Can they do it? I don't want to do it. Yeah. Hard. Anyway, Kevin, what were you gonna say? Uh, GTA Five. I actually it has its own radio station, so you can like put in music files. And I downloaded the Vice City like radio as like one music file and just put it in there as one long song, and it actually works. As, like I did that basically what you're saying that's pretty sick <laughs> yeah it's pretty cool but yeah Hitman 3 that's that's my most anticipated game and it comes out in like two weeks uh, are there any other games you guys are ex- excited about Eric do, are there any games in 2021 that you're excited about oh man I bet you there are I'm gonna, I'll look up 2021 games right. quick. This, this is what, this is what uh, I do when he asks me that question. Uh, like, um, I, I already I already know exactly what I want to play, so it's like at the back of my head, but my mind. But yeah, Hitman Three, uh, Resident Evil Village looks Resident really Evil cool. Village Are you me. guys hyped for yeah. that? 
I am. Yeah. No hype, dude. I'm excited to play through my backlog. I'm going to play all the best games of 2017 and 2018 that I did, that I missed. <laughs> yeah, get on the. Near I say that every year, train. and I never do this. Oh yeah. Play near Automata. Come on, what are you doing? What are you doing, man? I think Come I on. own it now. You should. I don't know. I, dude, I've been telling him that for years. He hasn't played near or Death Stranding, and I'm like, do do you not yeah. like cyborg French maids in meta narratives? Like, what's your deal? Yeah, man. I, I think Aaron, I'm into that game. You're a philosoper. That game. I mean, you're a philosopher studier. That game is sure. all about philosopher studiers. You like it? Yeah, you play it, man. <laughs> okay. I, I, it, it, it finally answers the question: Who who am I? Okay. Like, mm. get get on it. Come on. Okay. You really should. Yeah. Play no. It. It's awesome. I. I I'm looking at my Steam library. I apparently own it. I must have bought it at one of these uh, one of these times, and uh, maybe I will play it this year. After I play another 300 hours of CS, it's I'm in. I'm in. Dude, that's what I'm saying. Like you're just gonna play Counter Strike for the next. I mean, that's fine. <laughs> but that, it's so that's much its fun. Own progression, right? It's oh, like yeah. you don't have to oh, do yeah. items. You just yourself get better. It's like that's the real Splunky. Kinda... You spend a couple hundred hours, and you're like, oh shit, I realized I've been Counter Strafing wrong the whole time. Um, or, you know. <laughs> It's uh, it's great. I love that game. Uh, I have a friend of mine who, just like your CS:GO analogy, would uh, he he would he's like a big film guy, but he he has to watch like a bunch of shit before he can watch an actually good movie. So he'll he'll watch like ten MCU movies, and then he'll watch one David Lynch movie, and it's like. I'm always trying to egg him to be like, watch these good movies. I have all these good movies, but you're just playing CSGO all the time. What the hell? So I get it. I get it, Aaron. I get it. But CSGO is like is like a good movie. CSGO yeah, is like a very finely crafted game. Um, in like terms a, of... CSGO, CSGO is like watching Spider-Man 2 over and over again. It's like good stuff. It's good. That's, no, that's you're wrong. That's That's what like Call of Duty is. Or no, like, it's CSGO like watching. It's like depth. watching The Office. It's like watching The Office oh every God. day. Okay, it's you're like... off this podcast. You get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody remove this man from the room. That is, I will not stand for that. Do not accuse me of chain watching The Office. That's that's Ugh. basically what playing CS:GO is. It's true. It's just true. Oh fuck! <laughs> you're a bastard. <laughs> Actually, what I want to do so. Back to speedrunning for a second. I watched this incredible video of a, of the, the history of speedruns of a Doom level. I think it was the Chasm. Um, and it made me want to speedrun Doom. Because as, as people who listen to this podcast know, I love I love old school Doom. Uh, but like every time I think I'm going to speedrun Doom, I go and play the first level. And I'll, I'll look online. Like, what's a good average starting off speedrun for the first level you want M1? People will be like, oh, you know, like I don't know, 20 seconds or something. I don't know what it is, maybe 30 seconds. And I'll do it, and it'll take me like 90 seconds, like every time. Like I'll think I'm like jamming, and like not, like I just cannot get through it quickly, and it drives me nuts. I can do – I tried myself, and I watched I, – I like try it, and then I look at Zero Master's, you know, Plutonia Nightmare, mm. just single run, not dying through the whole game on Nightmare. And I'm just thinking like I wouldn't try that for money. Like that's just that's in, that's like next level. That's so you have that's just so for me. Just it's like so earning impossible. a black belt. Yeah, yeah, basically. So yeah, yeah. I think um, with an old game like Doom, with and especially because Doom is like it's not uh, RTA, which would be like doing the whole game. It's usually like just doing a single level, mm-hmm. and it's just like 
you're gonna you're not like if you're looking at the leaderboards yeah and not just competing against yourself like really when you're speed running you should just compete against yourself and th- that should be your first priority but if you're like looking at leaderboards for a game like that you're not gonna have a good time because those are people who have grinded hours and hours and hours of those levels right to get to get the t- get those really really good times um and so I think that can be really intimidating. Yeah, if you like look at the world record, like I think that's like I purposely kind of avoid uh, when I'm speed running a game, like overindulging and like what's what's like the best strategy for this? Because like mm-hmm. I can't do the best strategy. And the thing is, speed running can be fun, but on its own merits, you don't have to be going for a world record, at least at least initially. Right. Yeah baby steps uh, it's like i would either want to speed run like doom or like stalker which would just be like such a ridiculously <laughs> stupid game to speed run remember well, nick bracken good. from idle thumbs was trying to speed run uh far cry 2 and he's like i got it down to seven hours <laughs> <laughs> yeah i had a speed running moment where i was playing through the resident evil 2 remake and it was my sixth playthrough and I got it at like three hours and 30 minutes. And I was like, oh, wow, that's so good. I bet you I could like really speed run this game. And I looked at the leaderboards and it was like 29 minutes. And I was like, mm. oh, okay, yeah, not happening. But you could do it, Orn. <laughs> you just got to gotta do the work. You know, it's like that. Like you got to do the reps, get that muscle memory. So, you know, every move, every corner. I just don't. I mean, I love Resident Evil 2 Remake. I just don't know if mm. I could play it every day for months. You know, I find... To this whole discussion, like, I'll have, like, here's a good game. Wolfenstein 2, I first played it, I was I liked it, but I was like, hey, it was fun. And I go back and play it more, and it's like, I, get, I call it deep dive, and I deep dive the game. Play it a lot. I find that I just appreciate them so much more. But I rarely do that these days, because I have so many games that I'm trying to play. I always have this, like... Ugh, it's like it's like I'm stressing myself out for, for it's like over something that I'm enjoying. It's so stupid. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, oh, I gotta play this game. I gotta play this game. I gotta play this game. It's like just play the game that I'm having fun with. Like, why do I have to always do this rushing to FOMO. play the next game? Yeah, it's I, I it sucks because I find that I'm so much happier when I just stick with one game and play it repeatedly and and really dig, dig into the mechanics and really appreciate everything a developer's going for. Like, I, I actually watched the postmortem of Wolfenstein Two and just saw something I didn't know about it was like there were three different design ways they wanted you to do each level and i didn't even know that like i was like oh and then i like appreciated it more i don't know i guess my thought is just replaying a game a lot is really fun and i should do mm-hmm. it more <laughs> if it's a good so game I don't do this. or if maybe it's, good. If it's if a bad it's, game actually it, yeah maybe even yeah i don't know all right i gotta take a quick break uh so we'll be right back in just a moment yes just keep recording don't do anything i'll be right back okay I haven't played that many games. Normally, I have like a lot more games that I had played to talk about, but I've been playing just the same games that I've already talked about like in the last couple of pods. So. Yeah, I'm kind of thinking about uh, playing Yakuza Like a Dragon, but I'm kind of burnt out oh, on. So yeah, good. I'm kind of burnt out. I, I'm kind of burnt out though. I played like four Yakuza games over the past two years, but but it's not in Camarocho. It. it doesn't take I place know. in Camarocho, so. I should play it. I'll play it after Hitman 3 because there's li- there's literally like nothing coming out after Hitman 3, so at least to, for, from <laughs> what I know. There's nothing. There's nothing. Like like It's like Hitman 3 comes out in January and then it's just like nothing for three months. But yeah, that's, what you, that's, that's how it is. I had to get some water. It is absurdly hot today in Los Angeles. I Did don't you fly know. in your room? 
a fly? No, that was sync- that was a, a marker for editing later. A visual marker. When I clap, it peaks, and so then I've got this peak point, and I'm like, ah, so it's a cut point. Okay. Oh. Y- yeah. Cool. You should get Fancy. like a little uh, clapboard or whatever, like take two. I mean, that's oh, yeah. that's why I clap. That's what I do when I was uh, filming and like uh, recording audio separately. Clap. Right. It's, uh, right. it's convenient. Ugh. Oh my god. So were you guys just talking about more excited games of twenty twenty one? Oh yeah, twenty twenty one. Isn't Breath of the Wild two yeah. come out? Or no? Hmm? We don't know. The, no, what? the next Breath of the Wild game. Oh, the, the new Zelda Breath of the Wild's mask. I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be called. It's, I think it's just called Breath of the Wild Two right now. I'm kind of I'm kind of interested. I might play. I'm it. interested in this, know. as Alucard would say. I'm interested in this. I want to play it. Oh, speaking of Alucard, I've been watching Castlevania. Uh, you guys watch this on Netflix? No, but I watched uh, Blood of Zeus, which is like the Greek the Greek version of it's that, the same right? thing <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is the same it was thing. pretty awesome I, I mean I liked it I was like I, I watched blood of Zeus and I like watched it the whole way through and I was kind of tipsy mm-hmm. so I was just like watching it and the music and the visuals were just like oh no it was it was awesome it was cool anyway you like Castlevania yeah I, I did not love the first season which came out a few years back but the newer episodes are a little better a little more there's a little more behind-the-scenes plotting and machinations and stuff. Uh, it has Peter Stormare is, is one of the oh, voice oh, actors. Oh, my guy like, from it has some, like, uh, Fargo. Yeah, Fargo, it has like yeah. some good yeah. voice acting, so it's, it's, it's a little surprising. I have watched also all of the contemporary science fiction television shows. I've watched The Mandalorian, I've watched The Expanse, and I've watched Raised by Wolves. And I would rank them in that order from, uh, from, from decentest to betterest. <laughs> Yeah, uh, every time I watch The Mandalorian, I'm kind of like, I think I'm just disillusioned with just Star Wars and anything with Disney. I'm just, to me, it's like eating a McDonald's cheeseburger at this point. I'm just like, oh, it's it's fine, but yeah, I'd it's rather watch. I'd rather watch like Better Call Saul or Atlanta or like Twin Peaks. You know, I love that the they, good shit. Have the they managed shit. to to yeah. to to do more original stuff with the Mandalorian, and not just do more of the "Hey, remember when we did this? Remember this?" Is it is, there, is it still kind of that? I mean, I think that's kind of where both? Star Wars is gonna live forever. Uh, it's it's hmm. there's de- I don't want to give any spoilers for people who care, but I would say that they have not managed to to do more than remember this. But they've done. Like they've actually done a lot of like callbacks to other stuff, like uh, the, lots of visual homages to like you know Jimbo and like Western movies and just weird stuff. So <laughs> it's cool. kind of a <laughs> once upon a time in Hollywood, a pastiche cake. Yeah, <laughs> once there's upon a time there, in Hollywood. There, there's literally like a <laughs> whole sequence in that movie where I'm like, this is just once upon a time in Hollywood. There's Timothy Oliphant. They're in like a Western bar. It's the same damn thing. Yeah, it's like White Plains Drifter or something. Yeah, they're, they're definitely like pulling from a lot of older movies, which I actually don't know how I feel about that. That's like a strange kind of like, I guess, appropriation. Like it's it's like, but they're, they're doing their own thing. I don't know. It's just what Star Wars is. It's like it's it's like a well-made product. It looks really good and it's, it's moderately entertaining if you're stuck in your house and have nothing better to do. But uh, I don't know if I think it's, if I, if I personally think it's excellent. It's a Mc, it's a McDonald's cheeseburger. That's like how I, I see personally. It. I don't it's think like it has a Chipotle to be. burrito. Yeah, yeah, Chipotle burrito. Yeah, it's like really good, really tasty. It's like fine. It's fine, but like yeah, I don't know. So 
Yeah. I don't feel like KOTOR was, remember this, though. KOTOR was like a compelling story set in that universe, but it didn't feel like it was like, hey, remember this cantina KOTOR? thing? They're going to rehash it yeah, in this movie. I, like, it, didn't, it didn't feel like that. Well, that's just, Bioware. That's like classic Bioware, so right. they get a free pass. That's true. Yeah, I, I think the universe is compelling. I just It's just you got to, you know, tell it, do it. You know, interesting way. That I, I don't is it compelling though? What do you guys think about this, Eric? Do you have thoughts on Star Wars? Sure. Um, I think that Star Wars is. I mean, I think that like they're just they're not interested in exploring it like for real, right? Like in any meaningful way. And I think, and I think there's it's kind of a dual problem where one, it's the Disneyfication, right? Where it's like Disney isn't going to tackle any interesting or topical issues, right? Like the most ambitious studio within the entire Disney, like milieu is Pixar. Like, and they're the ones who are telling the most interesting stories in your entire media empire. Mm -hmm. Like they're Pixar is really good, but like, they're not like blowing doors down. Right. And so that's one (coughs) half of the problem. But the other half of the problem is like, I don't think the star Wars universe was built to like tell a lot like a wide range of incredibly dynamic and interesting stories yeah. like the the first the first uh the first movie right Star Wars I guess now we call it a new hope was like good I really like it it's it's a great movie but it's like it's vague right on purpose right it's like and it's it's in the vagueness where Star Wars is actually like interesting right it's more interesting if lightsabers are never explained mm-hmm. right if it's just like this thing or the force is never explained and I think that with like these three most recent movies they just were trying to retread the same vague things from the past but the thing is is like those don't work every time you push them they work some of the time and so uh, yeah, that's that's kind of my 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 gut instincts about uh, about Star Wars, and is that like it's kind of running into those two problems. It's like the people who are running it, the show, don't know what to do with it, mm-hmm. and it's a franchise that's difficult to do new things with. Um, despite the fact that like, there's this vast sci-fi thing, I think people think sci-fi is like vast, open-ended, but that's not what makes something open-ended. Um, in fact, most franchises aren't open-ended, and that's not necessarily a problem, mm. but Maybe it's expecting too much for it to be a tentpole that can really make a lot of different kinds of movies. I think Star Wars is good at a certain kind of movie, and that's about it. Right. Yeah, I would agree. It's kind of a safe, fun, like, family action movie. Yeah, and, and also with Star Wars, it's just so... Yeah, like, as Eric said, it's so limited, but um, I think the fan base expects it to be deep but it's just not deep so you have like this weird thing where you're trying to appease these fans that are expecting something profound but i just don't really see it i don't know right it's a it's a weird conundrum and it's unfortunate that it's like toxic now so mm-hmm. i don't know it's weird yeah. St- star wars is a, just a franchise star wars and even mcu and anything disney is just so unremarkable to me and i just don't mm-hmm. I just don't care <laughs> yeah. yeah the fan culture like definitely makes it harder because like I mean th- think of it this way like when someone like makes like a bad movie right Un- unintentionally they make a bad movie but like it becomes successful because of its badness right they often will try to follow it up with like another bad movie but this like time Samurai they're self-aware Cop. they know that it was the bad the schlock 
yeah that that brought people in and then it's not entertaining right because mm-hmm. it's not earnest anymore and i think with star wars it's the same thing with like the fan service and with like disney trying to retread the holy ground it's like that worked because it was earnest then like you can't just like rip off a new hopes same exact plot for episode seven and for it to be like a compelling piece of media that people want to return to years after year after year right you have to do something you know new right but there's like a lack of earnestness, I think, in the way the franchise is being handled, and part of that is the fan service. Like, there's a lot of fan service in the stu- in like Star Wars media that I think it's hard to do fan service and be good at the same time. Like that that's a tricky thing to balance. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Yeah, I feel like also, fan service um, is almost not even yeah. necessary. Like if I think With of Star Kotor, Wars, it, right. it has very little in terms of Star Wars tropes. It does have what? them, but they're not like they're not. Yeah, they're, I, w- I was just playing on my phone, man. I was just playing it recently. Right. I never it actually feels played like more than an hour. The story of it. they tell in Kotor could be probably told in like a Forgotten Realms universe, right? Which is the D and D traditional universe. Or like it, it doesn't sure. it doesn't feel like it necessarily has to be Star Wars, but I think it works in Star Wars. I think they played into the strengths of Star Wars at the same time. I don't know. I think that's why Kotor is really well liked. It didn't it didn't feel like there was just a, a lot of retreading in it. Uh, right. There was. I, I think uh, it, yeah. Which um, did you play Kotor two, Kevin? I played some of it, but I didn't complete it. Uh, I think my favorite my favorite character is from Kotor two, and it's like Kriya. That, um, Kriya, yeah, because yeah, yeah. I think I, I think she is the only time in the Star Wars universe where moral ambiguity is truly explored, and mm-hmm. that's what makes her such an interesting character. And yeah, like yeah, those games actually handle the universe in a way that's super interesting and. Maybe it's because it's completely devoid of ha- any sort of connection to the Skywalker s- saga that they're able to really explore. Like, okay, what can we do with this? So, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. I guess something I've always thought, and this is why I was never super into reading Star Wars novels, even, you know, 20 years ago, is that like a lot of these are just like somebody has a story to tell and they're like, this is an interesting story. And then they're shoehorning it into a Star Wars universe, which tends to like sand down a lot of the potentially interesting rough edges yeah that's how uh solo felt to me i feel Mm. like solo was like okay we have a a western script we have a western spec script or whatever lying around here let's retrofit it as a star wars story that's literally the mandalorian yeah like every episode of the mandalorian is like i was writing a, a thing about like a cowboy let's just put that in here um but, so yeah. I so I found this John Ford script from the 1950s about right. this uh, this town that's having problems with uh, the Navajo Indians and they did but there's this giant ox out there that they have to fight so they have to band together with the Native Americans to fight it. It's mm-hmm. like you just replace that with the Tuscan Raiders and the Sandworm and the it's like yeah. the same thing, right? That's probably what happened. Mm-hmm. They found some script lying around or whatever. But yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> at, at the Starbucks down the street. Like- yeah exactly and even if it's not as like shameless as that right like just like literally like trying to like transplant it it's like when i've only watched some of the mandalorian like probably i only watched like half the first season but when they get into like those westerny kind of episodes it's like they don't even understand what makes the western interesting or good like (laughs) they're just playing up like the what would happen in a western is this but like the thing is, there's a lot of crappy westerns out there. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't just like borrow something's aesthetic and make it mean. That doesn't make something meaningful or interesting. Um, but I think that a lot of times with Disney, that is enough for them 
at least like well it looks like a western and that makes it unique and new for the star wars universe therefore it's good eh. yeah I, I rewatched uh unforgiven this past year and i'm not mm. the biggest clint eastwood fan but that movie is great that's, that's a, a great, great movie that's a great yeah. movie so anybody yeah. else watching anything worth talking about uh, I actually do, and I have a funny story behind it. Um, so, so check this out. There's this uh, movie that came out this year called Bloody Nose, Empty Pockets. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. Um, anyway, it's this documentary, okay? And basically what these two filmmakers did, the Ross brothers, they got a bunch of bar flies together from, that they auditioned, and they put them in a bar, and then they just filmed them for two nights straight just to see what would happen. And the whole movie's just about the chemistry between the barflies. And I loved it. I thought it was a great movie. I watched it a week ago. And I, I tweeted on Twitter like that I said, this barfly in particular gave one of the best performances that I've ever seen in anything. I like could not believe how good his performance was. And then the guy saw that tweet and then he followed me on Twitter so I thought that was really funny. <laughs> Classic <laughs> like, Twitter moment. <laughs> I was like, I was like, damn, I like love you. You're so good, and you're following me, me now. It was, it was cool. It was cool. a cool moment. Great movie yeah, too. Is. If you're watching, if you want to watch uh, a really interesting staged documentary, Bloody Nose, Empty Pockets. Cool. So that's my story of the day of the week. It made my week. Uh, I'll just say Raised by Wolves I've finished watching the entire season it's basically like more it's basically like the TV version of Prometheus although it's a totally different story but it's it's Ridley Scott and it does a lot of thematic similarities it's it's like a thematically dense show that's pretty messy there's a lot of weird shit going on but I recommend it if you're into some like strange ambitious sci-fi did uh, Ridley Scott direct any of the episodes? He did. Okay. He directed two of them, and he he like was heavily in, invested in the creation of the whole show. So it's it's got his blueprint on it. R- Ridley nice. Scott's another one of those directors who I feel like, kind of like George Lucas, he had these two or three amazing movies at the beginning of his career, and he's been trying to recapture that glory. Mm. And I just don't know if he's been totally successful. I don't know what you guys think. Come on, man. Thelma that. and Louise. Uh, that was like Black the Hawk 90s. Down. <laughs> uh, what, Black, what Black, did... Black Hawk Down is like imperialist <laughs> yeah, crap. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> he's definitely made some good movies. I don't feel like he retreads too much in, until more recently. Now he's like, oh, wait, I got to do the this stuff. Again. I got to do The Martian because Alien I'm the Covenant science really guy. Bad. Didn't like yeah, Alien Covenant. Alien Covenant sucked. But Glad- okay, Gladiator stuff. was good. Gladiator, Gladiator was good. He's made some, a lot of good yeah, movies, that was, I think. I like yeah 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 I guess he's made a lot of movies <laughs> he's made he's he's made a lot of movies you know some of them are good some of them are bad so well uh he's, I think that's all we got time for today all right I think we I think we're out of here but Eric thanks for showing up uh thanks for can you me. tell us where to find your YouTube channel again uh yeah I don't have a specific URL just I don't know I am error I don't know, put it in the podcast description I don't know uh we will do that uh, but yeah, I mean, I could, I'll, I'll read you off. I don't want to read you off the dumb URL. It'd be stupid. All right. Yeah. Don't do um, that. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Find the cool. link in the description. Yeah. Yeah. I, I All right. Am error. 
Uh, yeah, thanks again. And Madden, we love you. Thank you for the music. Thank you for all the sweet comments. And uh, I think that's all we got time for today. See you guys in two weeks.